here that we've completed. Actually, it was Thursday night, or Thursday, that was the exact day of 20 years since we started. And uh, we actually moved here a little bit before that, and I was preaching various places around the area. And uh, we actually thought about, if we didn't start a church, that we would attend Word of Faith and Burning on Sundays while I was traveling. But my wife said, all these people you start bringing in in Poplar Bluff need to go to church somewhere. So she prodded me to go ahead and make it a church. And so on October the 19th, we opened down on South Broadway, or the nickname is Ditch Road. I mean, what a place to start a church on Ditch Road. Kids, okay, you want to tell them what are they? Nursery, nursery four and under, uh, and then kids' church age, going to, to the eleven, right? Yeah. If if you're up to eleven, yeah. I was want to do it in stereo. <laughs> so four and under go to the nursery. Danielle will be there, and then five through eleven go to the kids' church in the hallway. So. Any kids that want to go, we got some over there. Who's that, the Johnson kids? They're trying to make up their mind. You can go back there with them for a few minutes, make them feel comfortable. But uh, Nelson, you're not a kid. Where are you going? You're going to, oh, he's going to go sit by Brother Mark. Watch out now. Y'all might fire each other up. <laughs> hey, Richard, come up here for a minute. This is Richard Jones. I was his youth pastor in the mid-1980s. Can you believe it? He grew up. <laughs> so did you. Yeah. I, I grew out, didn't I? I grew out. I sure grew out. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I hesitate to give him this microphone, but I'm going to. <laughs> Richard, the Lord had me wear my Route 66 hat to your house. Yes, sir. And he was having a prayer meeting, Bible study time, and he had me share, and the Lord had me give him a, a word, and that word said that he was going to be used on Route 66. I said, there's going to be a revival that's going to go along Route 66, which is a famous passageway here in America. And now tell them what happened now, that Route 66, how you had the mural, yeah. the rich man, uh, what, and all this? What, what he didn't know was that, um, uh, I mean, we were, what, what he didn't know is I, I do our work on the side. It's, it's, a, it's a thing I, I, I do on the side. Those banners? Yeah. And I pottery and yeah. paintings? and. Well, when he gave me that word, what he didn't know was right, right after COVID year where everybody was losing. And I mean, I was, God prepared us, and we, increased during COVID year and at the end of COVID year I actually got contact from an old client that I did some work for and uh, it turned into an opportunity for me to go do murals um, he's, uh, he, he's a man of great wealth and uh, he collects cars like Jay Leno and um, he had a warehouse well he bought another warehouse in the middle of this and he says hey would you come do a mural and he wanted me to do you know a mural and uh, 
Uh, but then we were talking, and he says, and there's this whole wall on the other side. It was like about 100 feet uh, long. And uh, he says, you know what? I've always wanted to have a mural of Route 66. And I said, well, I've always wanted to do, do one as of that <laughs> moment. And uh, uh, but I, so I, I spent, I spent uh, it two, between two, three months doing that mural and paid our entire mortgage off with it. Amen. And then he came at that time at, when we were finishing that. He That's thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a good it was a good blessing. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he has a ministry. It's called God's House. You like that name? Yeah. And the people there really love God. And I went up there just a few weeks ago and boy, we had a great time. And I gave him another word about a book about his testimony. He's got a fabulous testimony. He's been to hell and back. And God has raised him back up. And he's writing, now he's writing a book. I gave him a word about writing a book. Yeah, and what um, I didn't tell you also, I've been called out three times and prophesied that, uh, uh, that I was to write this book, The Body of Christ Needed It. But then after you prophesied that, finally, I mean, the anointing came on me. And I've just been cranking just cranking this yeah, this thing out. Amen. So, hallelujah. And you reached downtown St. Louis as well. Yeah. For how many years have you been going oh down? Oh gosh, there? probably close to thirty years. There have been people here that have uh, got come up. And we've taken out, taken out on the streets. I've been to the strip clubs with Mark. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. They wear shirts that say "Church People." Well, that came because we were we we spent so much time on the streets. The people on the streets would would say, "Hey, the, the church people are here." And because we would go to places where, where Jesus would have gone, and uh, you know, uh, it, and so uh, I, I I go to places where I don't look like I sh I should be there, and uh, but we make those contacts, and so we're showing up, and so it would be the people on the streets, you know, hollering out to other people, you know, hey, tone it down, you know, here comes pastor, and uh, you know, they say, hey, it's the church people, and so that's why we would, yeah, I said, well, let's just embrace it. And uh, so we'd be crawling in some building or under some bridge, we'd holler, church people! And, uh, <laughs> and they'd, 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 they'd put down the crack pipes and hide the needles and the guns and everything, and we'd just go in and just, yeah, just go and pray and pray minister to people. And Hallelujah. then Second Chronicles seven fourteen, yeah, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, mm -hmm. then I'll hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Tell them about 714. Some three years ago, another relationship we're in with another apostolic leader. Uh, um, uh, say their name if you want. Yeah. If they uh, want to join. Well, us. yeah, Dr. Dr. James Horvath. He's up near uh, Chicago. Uh, anyway, God spoke to us. He was having a conference, and, he, and based on that scripture, he said, hey, spend the next seven days, and you guys meet Facebook Live at 714 and just pray an hour leading up into the conference. So we did that. And then when we were getting towards the end, the Lord said, uh, keep doing it during the conference. So we did it for the next seven days. Then the Lord spoke and said, uh, go ahead and finish off the month with it. And so we finished off the month with it. Well, then we were coming up to all the Jewish high and holy days. And the Lord said, well, uh, do it to Rosh Hashanah. And so <laughs> as of this morning, we have been praying one hour in the morning, every morning, for 1,168 days straight and so I'd like to invite you uh, you know you can join us live for prayer, prayer prayer now we have a separate 
Facebook page, and it's a worldwide uh, broadcast, and uh, prophetic information comes on, and there's whole, this whole community in the, in the comments, uh, regardless of who's hosting it, uh, and it's a great place to dump your prayer request and, and spend time in, in intercession. But we have this uh, prayer group page now that you can interact that way. So Amen. that's a lot that's going on. Hallelujah. Well, it's an exciting time, isn't it, in life? And we appreciate you and and know God is delighted in you and to use your life in a great way, brother. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to recognize we have Crossroads Ministry here today. Is Jimmy back there? No? Okay. Well, I can't have him come up and share then. But anyway, it's good to have you guys here. They visit quite often, and they have a ministry. Uh, of recovery and they have the building that used to be the Boys and Girls Club and they have a great minister over there and we really appreciate their work <coughs> well I'm going to go ahead and speak the word to you today and uh, God is so good how many enjoyed Brother Garland and then Sister Beverly got up that was like WWF or something WWE or they tag-teamed, and uh, they really blessed us, and uh, it was great. It really was. Well, I want to speak, uh, I'll try not to be long-winded today because we're going to eat after this, but i got to minister long enough that the chicken gets here. So I'm just going to keep ministering. Say, Lord, where's that fried chicken? Anyway, it'll be on the way. But, uh, in fact, I know when it's coming, so I know how long I got, and I got a little time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm excited about what God is doing. And Brother Richard's going to write that book, and the windows of heaven are open over your ministry, brother. I tell you what, he's got the right heart. He's humble. God allowed him to become humbled. And then he lifted him up. How many know that God will let you become humbled, and then he will lift you up? When I was in South Florida, I decided to minister to southeast Missouri by getting on the radio. And at that time, I, I was on the radio in the Florida Keys. I got on the radio uh, here in Poplar Bluff. And uh, I, then I had another station call and say, you need to be on our station as well. And then eventually I was on the radio in St. Louis and then in Little Rock, North Little Rock and Russellville, Arkansas. And then somebody drove through there and heard me, so they called and said, we'll pay for your radio show if you'll go on Charleston, South Carolina. And so for a time I was on the radio in Charleston, South Carolina. And so uh, I had people really fooled, you know, they thought I was a big-time preacher because my program came on in between Joyce Myers and Charles Stanley. You know, they said, man, you've really gotten big, haven't you? Well, it was just the time slot. I was blessed with a real good time slot. But uh, I developed my delivery, really came out of radio because people, they want to hear an encouraging word. And so that's the style that developed. Now, the Holy Spirit's always been a part of the ministry. And I was uh, a school teacher and a basketball, baseball coach in New Orleans. 
at uh, First Assembly Academy, and I became one of the youth ministers there with First Assembly God Church, which was led by Brother Marvin Gorman, that's Bever Sister Beverly's father, and I would oftentimes, I would go pray at 6 o'clock in the morning, at least twice a week, and Brother Gorman would come in early, and he would see me in that chapel praying. So he would come in, and we would pray together oftentimes. And then, eventually, I moved the prayer meeting over into the sanctuary, and I would pray there, and a lot of the young college and career uh, aged young people would come and pray with me at 6 a.m., then we would hit, I don't know if it was Huddle House or one of those places, for breakfast. And then I'd go back to teaching and coaching. But the Lord developed me there. Eventually, I had a couple of the singing groups in the church there. Uh, one was a soulful group called Spirit and Truth. And the other one was called uh, Firewind. And they were uh, a young Christian pop rock type group. And... I always thought I should have got on there and at least sung. They could have turned my volume down. Then I would have looked like a performer too. But I was just their manager. And we would do things. Uh, I helped organize all the music for uh, youth outreach in the Marriott Hotel downtown New Orleans. Brother Gorman asked the youth department, can we put together something to reach the young people? We had over a 1,000 young people come to that event and those two groups as well as some solo artists came and sang and we had a good time. We did a concert at University of New Orleans. We, we did them all over various churches and at the end of it I'd get up and preach a little bit, have an altar call. In fact, I really feel led of the Holy Spirit right now. Is there anybody here you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I usually do this wherever I go for some reason. God has me do that even before I preach. But you'd like to know him. You'd like to ask him into your heart. Somebody want to raise their hand if you want to know Jesus. I'll give you that opportunity right now. We don't need to wait. If you're uncomfortable, you can get comfortable. Amen? You know, when you accept Christ, you become part of the family of God. And that's why we have family in our name. Because we want you to feel like you're at a family reunion every time we get together. But there's been many things happen in my life, and I moved on, and I served as a school administrator. I served as associate pastor, various places. That's where I met Richard, up by St. Louis, when I was there. I lived in Nashville, lived here, lived in other places, moved to Florida, was there for 13 years. And we saw grow, God grow a great church there, and and we had mission outreaches all over to various countries. That's where I met Brother Eliezer. He was music pastor and a youth pastor at times. He kind of switched back and forth. And uh, I hired him. He didn't speak English. Now he does real good. But I put him on the spot a lot of times. My wife was having our fourth baby. And I called him. I said, you know what? you got to preach tonight. It's Wednesday night. It's an English service. He said, yeah, but I don't. I said, it doesn't matter how long it is. Just heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. You know? You don't have to do much. You know, just, I said, God will help you. People will call out the right word from the audience if 
if you need it. So I, I put him on. I did that a lot to people. I was so bad. But anyway, he traveled with me quite a bit. We went to Mexico and Costa Rica and places like that, and he translated. We saw some miraculous things happen during those times, and I'm so proud of him now, his family, Sister Mildred. And uh, they have a great church. I was honored to go over there and dedicate their church building when they bought it and be a part of that. And we're going to ordain one of his ministers who's starting a new church in Clayton, South Raleigh-Durham, when they get back in November. And so we're going to lay hands on him on Sunday morning. But it's a, a great journey, you know. The ministry, a lot of people say, oh, the ministry's hard or it's difficult. But really, there's, it's, it's fun, you know. If you're called and you live in your calling, it's not a job, you know. Hey, you might get paid, you might not get paid always, but most of the time you get paid, glory to God. And when you go on the road, you might get a little offering or you might get a great offering. I've had it all different ways, but God has never failed me or let me down. I've always been able to keep going and doing what he's called me to do. And so it's tremendous. Uh, that song that they sang, The Blessing, and I want to talk about the blessing to generations. It's so great to see my children up there singing and leading. Uh, you know, I teased about how the talent jumped a generation. You know, I can carry a tune and I could strum three chords on the guitar. And I played the trumpet not real well, but I could blow it a little bit. But I was never good in music, really. That wasn't my thing. Uh, although when Brother Eliezer would play the keyboards, I could write music. I would hear the words that he was playing, and I could write songs. But I haven't had that anointing for a while. I might have to get him on the keyboard before we leave this place. Who knows what might happen. But uh, I went into the auditorium when we were over by the Gamma Labs and that building for five years. One day I went in there and I heard the keyboards being played and I looked around and I said, who is that? Said, That's the sound of the Holy Spirit. And went in there and I looked and Zach, I don't know how old he was, maybe 15 or 16 years old, 14, I don't know, but he was on the keyboards playing. I said, where was I? Where have I been? I didn't know you could play the keyboard. You live in my house. What's going on? <laughs> he said, well, all I did was watch Pastor Steve's hands. I said, man, I wish I could watch somebody's hands. If I could play like you and Brother Ellie, I would never preach. But anyhow... God didn't intend for me not to preach. So he didn't give me that musical talent. But God does that to the generations. My father could sing above high C in his natural voice. In the 1940s, they said he had a million-dollar voice. And they, uh, he sang with the Jolly Boys out of Memphis, Tennessee, who eventually became a group that backed up Elvis Presley initially before he went uh, in the Army. But my daddy didn't want to hang out with a bunch of drunkards and womanizers that sang gospel music. So he got on the bus at 19 years old and went back home to the cotton fields around 
Bird's Corner and Saxton, Missouri. But I had a heritage of the Holy Spirit and of God and the Bible. My dad had a genius level IQ. He memorized scripture and could quote it faster than most preachers could read it. As they were reading it, he'd be quoting it under his breath, sometimes out loud. My mom would give him no elbow, you know. Wayne, let him read it. You know? My dad couldn't help it. He, he, had, he was too high strung. He had bipolar and he just couldn't function all the way. But he loved God and he knew how to pray. And we would get down on our knees as a family and pray at night. After the TV went off, the prayer started going up. And we would read the Bible and pray together. And I would endure it. But now it's been ingrained, like you said, Brother Garland, is like that text. It's like something that gets down in your spirit and it never leaves. It's a deposit that was made that you can't get away from. And it was said that I'd be a preacher. I didn't want to be a preacher. I thought, Lord, I can help these kids. And I became pastor of the basketball team. They'd tell me all their problems. Lo and behold, I was 22 to 26 years old in that time frame. And uh, I, so I pastored my boys. And I had a whole program. I understood development. I developed a basketball program from fourth grade all the way through the 12th grade at that First Assembly Academy. And those kids played all over the city. And... Uh, and they even won more games than I ever led them to win after I left because we developed them. That's called discipleship. And so lo and behold, I didn't even know what God was doing, but he was developing me. He was helping me become something. So there is a blessing that goes down to the generations. And I'm just so blessed to be a part of many ministries that are represented here in some way or another. But this blessing scripture, Numbers 6.22, says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Isn't it great when God speaks to you? He said, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. You see what happens when the blessing comes down the pike, then you get a name. There is a representation. There is a recognition. You know, Eliezer may have had Spanish as his first language. But you know what? He has a blessing when he came into our ministry that there is a sound that he will never get rid of that came through Christian Family Worship Center in South Florida. And he hung out with me, and we rubbed shoulders. He was next to me when I prayed over a couple in San Jose, Costa Rica, and this couple grabbed my hands. And Brother Gorman had preached that morning. We introduced him to the pastor there. And he preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's like 500 people on the altar. There's about 1,500 there. And so 
and he always had a way. He said, well, Kevin is my spiritual son, and Ellie is with him, then he must be my spiritual grandson. He had a way like that. So we were praying for all these people, but this young couple grabbed my hands. And I mean, something started happening to me I'd never had before. <coughs> and <coughs> cleaning out my carburetor <coughs> so I can rev up the engine a little bit. But anyway, I looked at Ellie. I was like about to pass out. They had my hands. You know, there's impartation of the Holy Spirit that takes place when you lay hands on people. They were grabbing a hold of something that was leaving me and going into them. And I said, Ellie, I feel like I'm about to die. He looked at my face. He, I could hear him under his breath. Say, oh, Jesus, Lord Jesus, he's got a wife and small children. Please, Lord, don't let him die. <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, I did. I turned, I think you told me, I turned like blue, purple, gray, then white as a sheet. And he thought I was going. And all of a sudden, whew, and this couple lets go of my hands and they fall flat on their back. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. And my color started coming back. <clears throat> but this young man jumped up and grabbed my hands again. You remember. And I mean, it happened all over again. He had hope that I was going to make it then. And so as that young man got some more, then he fell on the floor again, totally out. I mean, they were out like they had been knocked out. The Holy Spirit was working on them. That was an experience I'd never had before. And so we went to eat lunch. I could not even eat a, any soup. I took two sips of a bowl of soup. And I felt like it was up to here. I, and they said, you need to eat. You're going to preach tonight. You need some strength. I said, no, I just need to go back to the room. And I think I slept like a log for about three hours. I didn't understand it. But I got up that night, and I got him on the keyboards, and he started playing, and everybody started standing. I said, you're going to be healed tonight right where you're at. And I walked back. And there was a young a woman sitting right here. You know, they bring you in late in some of these places. We didn't even get in on the praise and worship. They want to wait till it's almost over. I always like to get there before it starts. They brought us in late, and then they introduced us. And you see, that's another story. I told Brother Jimmy Wagner, I said, well, you know I tell a lot of stories. He said, that's what we like about you your stories but that's part of the heritage see but I laid my hand on this lady's shoulder and I had a word of knowledge somebody in here had to be carried into this building today this is on a Sunday night there was even more people there that night because other churches had joined in about 2,000 people had my hand on the shoulder I said, somebody has crippling arthritis. God's going to heal you. This lady started shaking like that. 
He was on the keyboards playing. And I said, is that you? She shook her head, yes. He was translating. He was my translator. So he had to translate behind the keyboards while I was down here moving in the spirit. And we got to praying for her. I got her to stand up. Brother Gorman came over with me. He and I marched her back and forth in front of that crowd <coughs> until finally she started doing this, raising her legs up like that. And she smiled. And then we let go, and she started running back and forth. There was a man leaning against the wall in the back that ran to the altar, threw himself down on the steps. I said, who is that? She was crying. She told Ellie, that's my husband. He had to bring me here tonight. <laughs> and he doesn't know the Lord. He was up there getting right with God because his wife got healed. We came back a year later. Ellie was with me. And there she was over here. We were sitting on the front row. And she looked over and smiled at me. And she does this with her legs. She's still walking. She was healed completely. Something happened, though. I talked to Randy Lechner, a prophetic man out of Jacksonville, Florida, and I told him what happened. He said, you discharged your spirit. I said, I what? He said, you discharged your spirit. He said, you imparted to that couple a pastoral gift. And I found out they were the head of the intercessory prayer team in that church. He said, you gave away the pastoring gift and God imparted to you more apostolic and prophetic giftings. <coughs> and so then things happened from there because we started seeing some of you raising churches up and ministries and Brother Chris Shelton's back there today. Good to see him and Sister Vivian. He came into our ministry when we first moved here. And he wrote a book about being with the father, about his son and him and how the God became his father. And, and he wrote this book about being a good father and how God's a good father. And he's done men's meetings and all kinds of stuff out of that. So God has sprung up all kinds of ministries. But the blessing goes on. And then Zach, he's began to travel and minister in different places, and God has used him. Nick, he's, he's got a whole team that works for him. They do concrete work. and that. But he's on the stage singing now. Alicia sings. She's a vice president in the bank. There's all kinds of stuff happening. Chelsea just had her first baby. Her and John have a business called Grateful Movers. You see, the blessing, no matter... What it is, <coughs> it starts leaking into every area of life. And that's why we need fathers. We need spiritual fathers. And then I did a wedding down in Mexico about, what, 11, 12 years ago? 10 years ago. Isaac called, and he came to live with us, I don't know, nine months or a year. He was with us, and... He helped us with our praise and worship, and he worked on the building with us, and he helped become like a mentor to Zach during those times. And, and uh, 
he decided he would marry her. Now, he's stubborn. He told her, he said, you know, if we're going to get married, you've you, you got to come live in Mexico for a year so I know you can make it before we get married. Didn't he tell you that? <coughs> My wife says I exaggerate sometimes. <laughs> but I knew I was telling the truth. <laughs> and so she made it. She passed the test. And then they asked me to come do the wedding ceremony down in Mexico. They said, we want you to be our spiritual father. Now, her daddy's a pastor, has a church in Cocoa Beach. And his daddy was pastoring and evangelist and missionary and all over the place. And so it was an honor for them to say, but we want you to be our spiritual father and bless us. So... I'm blessed to be friends with their fathers. But I'm blessed to be a spiritual father to them. But there's so many scriptures, and I probably won't even read all these scriptures, but skip down to chapter 13, verse 22, Philip, of Proverbs. Because the other scriptures were about generation to generation. I can almost smell the chicken, so. <coughs> I thought I'd need to skip some stuff. Let's go to Proverbs 13. <laughs> That's all right. But while he's looking for that, let me tell you another story. To be a spiritual father, you have to learn to be a spiritual son. My daddy was a preacher and a singer. I didn't get his talent. And he was a fiery preacher. He'd sing a song called When He Reached Down His Hand For Me. I was lost and undone without God or His Son when the Savior reached down for me. And people would run to the altar and get saved. <coughs> so he had an anointing for that. But I needed spiritual fathers in my life. That's why God sent me to New Orleans and Marvin Gorman became a spiritual father to me. And I gained a lot because... I would work in the altars and pray for people, sometimes next to him, and I'd be around him, and we'd pray together in the mornings a lot of times, and I became close to him. And then, later on, I had him come preach a revival for me in 1995 that lasted for about 30, 40 days, six weeks. 180 people got saved, 200 baptized in the Holy Spirit, and our church increased. And so I had a great influence from him because he knew when to bring in the net. He knew how to lay hands on the sick. But I began to move in many ways in my 20s in the Holy Spirit. And then I met a man named Norman Parrish. His family started over 800 churches in Central and South America, El Calvarios and Cristo Centros. In my 30s, Pastor Ken was with me. He invited me to preach a pastor's conference in Guatemala to a pastor's conference with 11 countries represented. 
I've hardly preached with a translator but about three times, you know, or three years with Brother Tino. And here I am in Guatemala, out in the mountains. You could see the fire coming out of the volcano. That made me a little nervous. They had barracks that you stayed in, and they had uh, an open with the top pavilion for the services. Over 200 ministers. But you could see the steam come out of these clay pipes underneath the building. It was like smoke coming out. I said, Lord have mercy. Help us make it through this weekend. I asked him though. I said, because he made me the keynote speaker. Here I was 35 years old, 36. I said, why why'd you invite me? I'm like one of the youngest preachers here at this place. And he was pretty dry. He'd been American Baptist, squeezed through charismania <laughs> into this ministry of starting all these churches. He was dry as corn shucks when he'd preach. Almost put you to sleep. You'd just be sitting. All of a sudden, people would start manifesting demons all over the auditorium. And he'd cast them out from the pulpit. You got to get out of here right now. I'm preaching. And boom, boom, boom. There they go. <clears throat> I said, I can learn something from this man. And so he became one of my presbyters. And when he had come through Miami, he had stopped and we'd drink coffee together and hang out a little bit and then he'd go on his way. But he told me when I asked him, Why did you invite me? I'm a nobody, really. Nobody knows me. He said, because these men don't know how to flow in the Holy Ghost like they need to. He said, but you do. And so the Lord used me in those giftings. And I called out that man from down in Costa Rica and said, you've had a lot of witchcraft against you. Your church is about 200, but I was just telling him what I saw in the Spirit. I said, but you're going to have a great revival when you go back. <laughs> and the government's even going to come to you and ask for advice. And Gustavo Cunha went back to Costa Rica, and then a couple years later is when Brother Ellie and I went there to preach. And that church was like 1,200 to 1,500. And I don't know, Brother Tino was with me the first time, I think, weren't you? We went to Costa Rica. And I didn't know I was going to his church. We were going there with a man out of my church that had been a Colombian lawyer that became a drug and alcohol counselor. And he was a wealthy man. He paid our way down there. And so Brother Tino went with me, Brother Paco. And we got there. And they said, you're going to preach on Sunday morning. And this other brother from Miami is going to preach on Sunday night. And then they introduced me and said, this man is one of four people that changed my life. I said, he looks familiar. I wonder what I did. <laughs> he said, he gave me this word, and I went back home out of that pastor's conference, and he said, God exploded my church. And so his word sparked the move of God. Wow. 
That's awesome. So they had a great revival, and the church grew and grew and grew. Very strong church. It was a Cristo Central church. So revival. And that's my heart, is to spread revival. That's why I love to go places, so that I can spread revival. I can spread the good news that Jesus Christ still saves, He still delivers, and He still heals. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So you see, I had to learn to serve somebody. <coughs> I served Marvin Gorman four years. He would call me and say, Son, he always called me son. He'd say, I'm going to Africa. You need to go with me. You don't say no to a spiritual father. I said, Okay, Brother Gorman. I called him Papa G. I don't know if anybody else ever called him that. That was my name for him. I'd say, okay, Papa G. And we'd go. And the first service I was ever in, he had had open heart surgery, was just okay to go, but he was worn out. He said, I can't even preach the first night. you got to preach it. I said, oh, Lord Jesus. We're going to preach in English, this time with Swahili interpretation. Jumbo Abare. That means, hello, how are you? So here I am, preaching with Swahili guys. And I got a little something. I wasn't prepared to preach that night. Sometimes it's good not to prepare too heavily. So I just laid my Bible down, and I looked up, and I could hear in my ears rain falling on a tin roof just pouring down. And I told those people, I stepped up in front of the podium, I said, I hear rain. And I mean, that's all I said. And they went ballistic. (laughs) Those people, there were 7,000 people there, pastors and their wives and leaders. They jumped up. They began waving their hankies. I said, man, it doesn't take much to get these folks excited. Some of them were running up and down the aisle like this, spinning out, waving their hankies. I said, glory to God. So I tried it again. I hear rain, and it's going to rain and rain and rain, and God's going to have a revival in the land. I mean, I don't know if I preached five more minutes. We got down there and prayed for hundreds and thousands of people. I said, boy, that's the easiest place I ever preached. <laughs> and anyway, I, uh, I, I want to tell these stories because you need to know what you're a part of and what you have to look forward to in your ministry. See, this scripture, a good man leaves an inheritance to his... Yeah, I'm coming back to that. I go in circles, honey, you know that. But a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. How many of y'all need some wealth in your life today? That wealth might be good health. It might be money. It might be open doors. Whatever it is, it's laid up for you. But a good man, it doesn't have to be a great man. It doesn't have to be a great singer. But a good man that follows the Lord, 
leaves an inheritance to his children's children. The blessing goes on and on. So, I did a workshop every day that first time to Nairobi, Kenya. And I would have, because I'd heard it rain, 500 would come to my workshop every day. And it was full. The room was full. Nobody else could get in. And I was to teach on the prophetic and how to hear the voice of God. And this one guy would come and he wore this lime green suit every day. And he would sit right on the front row. So I went over to him the second day after it was over. I said, you know, you can go to other workshops. He looked at me and he said, no. He said, I want what you got. So I'm coming to your workshop every day. And so the last day of our last services there, the newspaper for Nairobi in letters that big in the newspaper said, rain ends drought. And then the article went into talking about how there was no rain forecasted. There was not supposed to be any rain. Say, I got a little bit of Elijah. He told his servant, go out and see if he could see the cloud. Well, I just heard it in my ear. It hadn't got there yet. But that night, after prophesying that, in the middle of the night, out of nowhere, the rain came, and it poured for five straight days. And that nation that was in a severe drought for good water, the drought was over. Amen. And you see, those bishops, the bishop general, Bishop Joseph Muyu, he became my friend. And whenever I go over there with Brother Gorman, he would always have me come to his churches. The first time, three services, 5,000 each, 15,000 total. I mean, the Spirit of God moved mightily. And then he came to Florida and preached for me. And on Father's Day, I took him down and treated him to seafood, all you can eat. He liked that. See, he's an older man. You honor these guys. Marvin Gorman, I look forward to seeing him in heaven. Brother Norman Parrish, who died in his 90s, look forward to seeing him in heaven one day. He taught me about deliverance and how to pray for people. Put that left hand on their neck, he said. You'll destroy the yokes off of them, like the scripture says. The anointing destroys the yokes. Put your right hand on their head and bless them and for them to be healed. So I prayed that way forever now. Then I met Brother Summerall, Ken Summerall. Pensacola he sent out over 500 missionaries 
They had over 300, right, Tino? 300 uh, Liberty Churches, something like that. Tino went to the Bible college there. You see, you get a heritage. Well, he took a liking to me. I met him. Hank went with me. Hank was talking to one of the financial guys. We were at the secret place. Brother Summerall was actually on the presbytery board that elected me to be the pastor in South Florida. I'd never met him. So I went to meet him, and then we were going to go to the Brownsville Revival. He said, come on over here. He said, sit down that rocking chair right there. He's a little short guy about like that, but he had this booming preacher voice. So when he said something, you listened. It's kind of like Brother Garland. I'm listening. Let me tell you something. If he points his finger, everybody gets nervous. Brother Summerall was like that. So we sat and we rocked in our rocking chairs. He asked me what I did and how the church was going. And I told him, well, we're over 700 right now. And he said, well, prophets don't pastor churches of 700. If prophet pastors church, he'll kill it. He said, but he said, God's marked you apostolically to start churches, to develop ministers. Pastor Ken and I together, we had over 80 ministers in South Florida. We've licensed and ordained, well, plus the extension ministries through Brother Tino, Brother Ellie, and different ones, over 200 since we've been here. we got like 300 ministers that we've licensed and ordained over 30 years. About an average of 10 per year. So that's why I grabbed hold of some of that anointing. Brother Summerall would get to where he'd say, I want you to go with me over to Albania with Brother Ron Kelly. And so we would go together, and he'd get up. He's going to preach. And after he preached, he said, Okay, if you want healing, stay here. If you need a word from God, go into that room over there with Pastor Kevin. So I go over there and give words to people and then pray for them. They'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so we team ministered that way. And, you know, there's something about it. I, I love to honor those older ministers. And in turn, they honored me. Brother Gorman liked me to travel with him because he told me over a meal in Kenya, Sister Bev, he said, why I like you to be here is because I want you to see in the Spirit and tell me if you see something about different ministers and these bishops. I'd just be sitting there and I'd be listening. I would never say much. Then I'd tell him, Brother Gorman, this one. He said, you're right. You're right on. And that just helped him somehow. Just being there, hanging out. Brother Summerall, I said, why do you want me to travel with you? He said, my other sons are intimidated by me. He said, you make me laugh. I said, okay, I'll tell you as many jokes as I can remember. But we hung out, we had a good time, we went on tours in Rome and things like that. But I learned to be around these older ministers. The blessing from generation to generation. And now those who are younger than me, Brother Richard's not a lot younger, but he is younger. Brother Isaac, he's younger than me. 
Tino might be a year younger than me. Hallelujah. <laughs> but Brother Ellie, he's raising up ministers now too, and churches, and others. You know, there's so many. Brother Herman and Sister Mary down in Brownsville, Texas. Man, we've had some services down there. But we go because we want to be a blessing. You see, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Let me come back to Nairobi. That young man with the green suit, you thought I'd forgot. I hadn't forgotten. I'm just keeping you on the edge of your seat. Before I left, that last day, he came up. He said, I walked 275 kilometers. Took him like a week to get to a bus, to ride the bus to Nairobi to be at that pastor's convention. And he said, that's why I'm sitting here and I want to get everything that you can give me by word and by laying on a hands because I had to pay a price to get here. He said, I'd like you to be my spiritual father. I was like, I'm sorry, I'd be absent a lot. I said, you need to get with one of these bishops, but I'll give you what I can give you. Man, tore me up. Made me ashamed that I ever complained about anything. This man walked 275 kilometers. How many miles is that? Like 80 or 90? A long ways. He was from way out in the bush. And that's why he only had one suit. He wore the same clothes every day. That was the best he had. <laughs> Here I am. I could leave all my clothes and never mess them, go back home. I got a bunch in the closet. You see, we're to be a blessing. But anyway, I'm going to give you five things real quick because I know the chicken is on the way. They were picking it up at 1130. It's 22. Let's read one more scripture, Philip. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14. I had to read all those other scriptures for me. See, that I didn't preach. Got me ready. But what does it say? I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. You know, I find myself doing stuff like your dad sometimes. I'll say, now this group is listening to me for a while, but I don't think they're listening anymore. Let me go find out this crew's listening over here. You pick up stuff like that. 
Brother Norman Parrish teaching me how to lay hands on people. Hanging out with Ken Summerall and Bishop Muyu. Tremendous men of God. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you. Maybe I'm sending Isaac to you. Maybe I'm going to send Ellie to you. But someday we're not going to be able to go like we want to. God wants to send some people. My beloved and faithful Son and Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere and every church. Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Sister Bev was talking about power last night at the end of the service. But that's what people need. Hey, they may remember, that was a good sermon. Well, what was it about? Well, I think this, that, maybe. And what scripture were they sharing? Oh, yeah, I, I don't remember. They don't always remember every word that was preached, but they will remember the power of God. Ellie was my translator in Guadalajara when I said, Lord, I'm not coming back to Mexico if you put another blind person in front of me and you don't heal them. And that family came up and I asked him, I said, what do they want? I'm still preaching. Who cares? The little girl's eye was blind. Her other one was going blind. <clears throat> the family wasn't even good Catholics. But they heard about a miracle service. And they said, we heard that you can get a miracle here. I said, okay. Ask them what it is. He said, my daughter's eye is blind. I said, okay. I told you, Lord. <laughs> you bring another blind person in front of me and you don't heal them down here. I'm not ever coming back. <laughs> Sometimes you got a little tantrum you have with God. God puts up with it. He'll spank you and sometimes he'll bless you. And so he was right there. I didn't have no faith for it. I just put my thumbs on her eyes. I said, God, heal this girl's eye in the name of Jesus. I didn't feel a thing. I asked him to ask her. Ask her if she can see how many fingers I have. She said, Trace. I said, now, did you tell her to put the hand over the eye that she could see out of? He said, Yes. We got in arguments like that when he'd translate for me. And I said, well, do it again. I said, how many fingers? She said, cinco, five. I said, you mean you can see out of your blind eye? See, it's not blind now. <laughs> yeah. So you see, we walk together and we see together and we minister together. I was in Ecuador, 87-year-old woman. See, once one of them's healed, then I can believe for any of them to be healed. Cocoa Beach, 86-year-old woman, had a blind eye. She got healed. Ecuador, another lady was blind, 87 years old. She was led up to the front in a Baptist church, and I laid hands on her, and her eyes were open, and all her family ran up and was crying around them. The power of God 
is the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Anyway, hurry. Okay, this is, these are the points. Number one, we must teach our children about salvation, what it really is. It's being saved, repenting from your sins, but it's also deliverance and healing. It's everything you need for your life. So we must teach our children that. Secondly, we must teach our children to worship. My kids have got that down pat. My spiritual kids have it down pat. Isaac goes everywhere in Mexico with a singing group, and they do revival all over the place. They write music. Look at little Isaiah playing those drums. Man, he sounded like a pro up there. He's just following his daddy like his daddy's followed others. Number three, we must teach our children about love and family. Family is important. I remember I called down to the Bilbo's. I said, I feel like Bethany is supposed to come preach a little revival for me. She'd never preached a revival before, had she? That was the first time she'd preached out like that, a revival. But she came, Beverly came with her. I think she got a little wound out, and she had Brandon preach for her one night. But, you know, that happens. You give people opportunities when the Holy Spirit tells you. Robbie Mitchell brought Tracy with him to meet me over New Year's Eve. Ellie might have been there. Anyway, she had never taught anything or preached anything hardly at all. And I said, won't we have her teach on the mornings while you preach the night services? So she started teaching then. I'm so glad I've been able to push a few people along the way. Encourage them. But we teach them about love and family. Once you're in our family, you'll never get out. I don't care where you go or how far away you go. You're going to be a part of the family. And it's not the mafia, by the way. <laughs> Although my wife is Italian. Number four, we must teach our children to honor their fathers. That's why every time I honored my fathers and the Lord, I got something back. I got anointings, and I got power released in my life by the Holy Spirit. So you don't take it lightly when hands are laid on you. But you honor them. I'll never forget, Isaac and Laura came to me. I don't know if you apologized to me or something, but, but they... <laughs> They said something along the lines of, we, I think you said something like, we haven't honored you like we should. So it's kind of like an apology. But, but they brought me this nice plaque for ministering and being a spiritual father to them. They said, we want to honor you, Pastor. You mean a lot to us. Guess what? They mean a lot to me. If I could buy them a new car because their van got wrecked and it's getting fixed down in Matamoras, 
they're driving their little old car up here. Didn't know if it'd even make it, but they did everything they could to get here. If I had enough money in my checking account today, I'd go down and buy them a brand new one. Lord, let it rain. I hear rain. Hallelujah. <laughs> but we must teach our children to honor our Father. Yeah. That's why I like Brother Garland. His hair is silver, white. I honor him. Y'all honor him. He's got an anointing he can impart to you. I wouldn't let him get out of this building tomorrow until he's laid hands on you. Even if he doesn't have a prophetic word, if he just lays his hand on you, you'll get something. Yeah. Number five, we must teach our children about the power of God. If you do that, they'll, they'll demonstrate the power of God. The summary, Holy Spirit must continue to work in all of our ministries for generations to come. Amen? I hope that didn't sound like a political discourse today, like I'm a politician running for office. But I tell you, God has a lot for you. Yeah. Naphtali, Naphtali, how is it? Naphtali, you and Maria, you just keep being faithful. Yeah. I see you being used, teaching the Word of God in a powerful way. Coming up with Brother Ellie, I see you supervising. I see you supervising. I don't know what you do, you administrate, but I see you administrating ministries. Yeah. Leading ministries. God will pour out upon you. Yeah. Just stand and lift your hands. Stand up. That wasn't an asking, I'm telling you. Lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus. Yeah, come on. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Everybody agree with me. Impart the wisdom and the knowledge that they need to walk where they're at, and you'll see the growth. Here the Lord say it won't be addition, it'll be multiplication. Hallelujah. Yeah. And out of your belly, gifts of the Holy Spirit are going to flow. Yes. And anointing, I see you keeping records, keeping it straight. In the name of Jesus. I'm not going to pray over you because you're going to get it Sunday. Hallelujah. Brother Ellie, there's going to be many sons raised up in the ministry. The next time you go to the Amazon, hear the Lord say, guard yourself and be careful because witchcraft is going to rise up against you there. So make sure you fasted and prayed sufficiently before you go. Because there will be a demonstration of the power of God. And you'll see witch doctors delivered when you're down there this time. Yeah, you'll cast out those demons. And whole villages will come to know Jesus because of it. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yes. Glory. Yes, Lord. 
Brother Tino, I hear the Lord saying, get a, a fishing rod, spiritual, you're not to retire, that you can cast your bait farther out than ever before. I tell you what, I can't say much. I know this. If I had a sufficient amount of money, I know we can blow the doors open in Puerto Vallarta. I've got knowledge of some things that I'm not permitted to discuss. So, but get ready to cast your, cast your bait. The brother's already talking to me from Tabasco. And he's got my number. He wants to call me. Yeah, his father used to be the head of the security or the, like the secret service of Mexico and he guarded all the presidents down there. Now this man has raised up 40-something churches. And I gave him a word down there at Port of Arts and man, the Lord blew him off his feet. And it was awesome. But anyway, God's moving there in a powerful, powerful way. See, things are picking up. There's an acceleration. That's why you got to hurry and get your building stuff out of the way. You know, there's an acceleration. And I told you, I saw that property again along the Interstate 10. One day they're going to put it up for sale and it's going to be yours. Amen. I gave you a word about that I don't know how many years ago. 15? 16 maybe? Well, you know, I gave this man a chiropractor word about his wife having a baby boy, and she, she couldn't have babies in Guadalajara and Paco's church. He come up and shoved a baby in my face one day. I said, what is this? He said, this is the son you prophesied to me 12 years ago. said, my wife finally had a baby, and I never quit believing the prophetic word. Came back two years later, and they had a girl. Look, once the tap's turned on, it, it runs pretty easily. <laughs> but get ready. <coughs> because you're going to have a school for ministry. Yeah. All this stuff you've learned, you're going to be communicating to ministers that are going to come in for boot camp and then advanced ministry, and you're going to send them out, even to the nations. Hallelujah. Yeah, that property is going to be yours. And I keep telling the Lord, Lord, I'm getting too old, you know. Come on, can you speed this up? <laughs> Man, there's a lot of people going to be delivered in this region. A lot of people going to be delivered, Mark, so you got to get ready. Yeah, you're going to have to move from dogs to people. That's right. Patty can handle the dogs. You got to get with the people. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. You know the Lord? Jesus, your Savior? I'm fishing right now. Do you know Jesus? Would you like to? Would you like to have him in your heart? Stand up. Tavares, right? Travaris. Everybody reach your hand towards him. You're going to feel the power of God in your life. You went left when you should have gone right. But God says, I can turn you around 
and I can make a 180, and I can lift you up when you are down, and no more shall you be downcast, O my soul. Put your hope in God, and He's going to raise you up, and He's going to make you a witness. He's going to make you a living testimony. Everybody say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for any sin. Use me. Turn me around. Make me what you want me to be. In the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, from the top of Trevara's head to the bottom of his feet, let him be filled with the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Love you, buddy. I'm glad you're here. And you will not be called a loser. <laughs> you will not be told you're not going to amount to anything. God has a purpose on you. It's like a flashing neon sign over your head. He's got a great purpose for your life. Does he, does he do music with you? No? Does he do music at all? No? Man, he's got the music in him. God's music. I'm not saying you're ever going to sing. But, you know, you got something. You're going to have a melody in you that you're going to spring and speak forth. Hallelujah. Man, you used to drive by my house and you thought I was mean. He used to live past me, but I'd tell him, slow down. Because I, I had these little kids that lived across the street, Tyler's little kids. I was, they'd always run over, PK, PK. They'd want me to hug them. And I was afraid they were going to get hit by a car. I'd say, no, don't come, don't come, stop. So they'd be riding, for, John was with them. Before I knew him, riding those big four-wheelers, and they were, wow, wow. They were going to race down my road. I said, slow down. And one of them ends up marrying my daughter. Glory to God. <laughs> hey, they came together and Zach preached and they gave their heart to Jesus. I went to high school with his daddy. His grandpa was a preacher and a car dealer. I don't know how that works. And he was on the radio. T. Tommy. Yeah, I remember but anyway, God's got his hand on him. Man, they came in here with dreads and everything. I don't know if you dreaded something, but now you got a haircut. Come over to my house, I can give you a better one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get ready. That word he gave y'all last night, it's coming to pass. Yeah. I see 30 pastors. I don't know if they're all going to be in your church, but you're going to grow. That land, that house for sale, did you ever find out a price yet? Oh, it's yours and all the ones up the hill behind it. All that's going to be yours. God is doing miraculous things. Yes, Brownsville, I'll be coming there. I'll have to spend three months there sometime because we're going to go buy a big building to help those who are poor and need help. It's going to be a center. 
Outreach Center. Yes. Pastor Bruce, he went from Poplar Bluff to Brown, Brandsville. It wasn't Brownsville, but it's Brandsville. And now to Farmington. But you know God's going to use him mightily there. He's going to raise up people, and that church is going to be blessed. He's an excellent teacher of the Word. He teaches with authority. And one day, oh, I shouldn't even say what I hope. Someday I hope that he can come when he's not retired, but refired, and teach in our Bible schools as we raise it up bigger and better. Yeah, God is moving. Oh, Michael, man, he did she tell you there's a shifting in you? I don't know what else Beverly saw, but a shift is like an earthquake. You know, when an earthquake happens, the plates go like this, and there's a shaking, and then things shift. Well, that's what's happening. There's, there's a quaking happening, but I'm proud of you. You stayed where you're at, and you've honored your pastor, and you've done ministry. God's opened up and blessed your lives. Three kids, that's three blessings right there. But get ready for your next move. Yeah. You're going to move to a revival. Yeah. Be a part of revival. Glory. You guys are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit of fire. God's going to transform you like you've never dreamed. Addiction is in the past. And the Lord says, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Now, you might have families that you've got to deal with and you've got to retain or you've got to refuel for. But I hear the Lord saying, if you will dedicate yourself to completion... You're the leader? Who's the leader? You are, I thought so. You two guys? No, him. Okay. Well, if they will commit to finishing what you started, God's committed to open doors when you're ready to move along. It's called moving along. Moving into, moving up. We're moving on up. That's the Jefferson theme song. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why I get these crazy sounds in my head. I hear rain. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's going to rain on your ministry. It's going to rain on your lives. And I say this. Now, if you don't want me to, I won't. But I'm... If you, if you want it, just shake my hand. In the name of Jesus, let them never be the same again. Are you Spanish? You're Mexican? Well, I feel right at home with you. Hallelujah. Como esta? Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. If you want, you don't have to stick your hand out unless you really want it. But I say, see, when a prophet lays hands on somebody, it changes. Things are going to change. Changes are coming to you. 
changes are coming for you. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. They're coming to you. If you want it, you can have it. Yes, Lord. The name of Jesus Christ. Let them be completely changed and never be the same again. Completely changed. Never the same again. Yeah, man, there's something good coming your way. It was like a man who stubbed his toe in the middle of the night, and the pain was so great. But you know what? It got better. And God said, it's going to get better. Yeah, look to it. Amen, brother. Glad you all came. You can stay and eat with us. Glory. Ain't God good? I'm just walking around having fun. I don't know her, do I? Yeah. Well, I know you. Yeah, I preached for her grandparents back in the 1980s. Huh? <laughs> Bud and Bonnie? I thought they were your grandparents. Oh. Well, the acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. I didn't realize that. You're Dina, right? Yeah. Well, you were a teenager back then, back when I was skinny and had hair. What's your name, honey? Krista. Where are you from? You are? You are? Well, Krista, I bless you. You've got good discernment. You get this little flash that goes off in you when somebody's not right. Don't you? Yeah. Well, that's a gift. Yeah. And you can help some come into deliverance. It's not like you have to do it all. You're the discerner. Doesn't mean you're always the deliverer. But God has gifted you. And He's pouring out His Spirit upon you. And you need to dig in more than ever before because God's got to teach in you and a discipling in you. I don't know if you've ever coached, but it's like I said I was a coach. God used that for me to help others. He's going to use you to help others. Yeah. New doors are going to open. You got a family? How many kids? Two. Son and a daughter. Well, my son-in-law and daughter thinks that's perfect. They got a son and a daughter. Amen. Your kids are going to grow up under the anointing. Yeah. Your husband served with you? Or is he out? He is? What's his first name? Harvey. Well, Lord, I've known some Harveys. Yeah. Yeah, I remember one in House Springs, Richard. He led worship some. Is your husband musical? No? Yeah? He might He might He is a coach? Well, that's right down your alley then. Man, God can turn coaches into pastors. Hallelujah. Yeah. Well, I agree with you for Harvey. In fact, we speak into the heavenlies. Harvey, you got to come in. You have no choice. You're going to be miserable. You're not going to sleep at night. You're going to toss and turn. You're going to kick Krista's leg. You're going to cause her hardship until you give in. 
Hallelujah. So we call you into the kingdom. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. I really love your daughter and your granddaughter. She's very special. I accidentally called her one time, didn't know it was her. I was trying to call somebody else, and I got one number wrong, and she answers, and it's like, Pastor Kevin. I said, well, who are you? She told me, and I said, well, I wasn't trying to call you. She was down at the ramp in Alabama, and but now she's got my number if she ever needs it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Were you all hungry yet? I think we're... I think we're sufficient, right, honey? You want to go check and give me the high sign? <laughs> glory. Somebody say glory. glory. Hallelujah. If she gives me the high sign, we'll spend. Yeah. How you feel, Roger? Awesome. No craving or desire for alcohol? Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. Cool. God is good. There's going to be a lot of deliverance happen. What? Ask him about his foot? What about your foot, brother? Hank said, ask you about your foot. That was a figure of speech to me, but said his life was like he stubbed his toe in the middle of the night, but then there was pain, but now it's better, right? You are. Wow. Well, God could have told me you hurt your fingers, but he didn't. He said your toe. So as a sign to you, he knows. He knows you. Chicken's not here. Glory to God. I got more time. God is good. God is so good. Stand anyway. Let's stand. Y'all been sitting for a while. I was trying not to preach a long time. But I was just meandering my way along. Like I always do. See you get gray headed. and Gray bearded and. You get away with a lot that way. They say, oh, he's older, that's why. <sighs> Holy Spirit. Yeah, raise your hand. God's going to release to you a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit today. He's going to blow on you today. All over, Lord. Blow on these that are here. Put wind in their sails, Lord, so they can go where they got to go. They can be what they got to be and they can do what they got to do. In the name that is above every name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. Chicken's still coming, Ellie. Can you go up on that keyboard just for a minute? <laughs> I don't know what you're going to play since the chicken's not here. Who knows? We might sing something. Is it on?
guys can stay and eat with us. If you want to stay, we're going to eat here in a few minutes. something like